Welcome to Love, Tales and Recipes. We're meeting today for a little bit of pleasure to have with your cuppa, a story, a recipe, and a tea or coffee pairing with me, your host and author, Melody Green. Hello, my lovelies. Today we will hear all about walnuts, Darjeeling, a cup and saucer from the ancient china makers of Royal Albert, and a slice of pear and walnuts. Love Tales and Recipes is all about pairing, how we lift the everyday mundane action of having a cup of tea and something to eat into a celebration of life and a moment to recharge your batteries. And what am I drinking today? Today's brew is called Darjeeling, and it can be taken with milk, lemon, or black. Sometimes referred to as the champagne of teas, Darjeeling denotes tea from the district of Darjeeling, located high in the foothills of the Indian Himalayas in West Bengal. Darjeeling tea has a variety of aromas depending on the seasonal variations, and so it can have a delicate, refined, slightly floral flavor in the top notes, with a smoky, chocolatey, muscatel aroma hiding in the base. Today, I'm drinking mine in a lovely floral china cup from the Royal Albert China Collection from 1950 in flowers and a turquoise band. And today, we have a perfect pairing in the pear and walnut slice. And how did I get the recipe? I'm always fascinated about things like that. Where do the recipes come from that become part of our family collection? Well, this is how I got mine. It was one of those shared with me by a friend's mother one day. I was at boarding school at the time, and my friend's mother took pity on me and presented me with this slice to take back to the boarding school for afternoon tea. If you've ever been to boarding school, you'll know how boring and tasteless many boarding school meals are. So to be saved from eating them by having your own afternoon treats is indeed something to be grateful for. What I love about this slice is it can be for afternoon tea or dessert, and I've even served it for breakfast. It's so easy to make, and it's never gone wrong, no matter what kind of day I'm having. It's always good to have at least one fail-safe recipe for those stressful days, don't you think? You will find a copy of the recipe on my website by following the link on this podcast. And now time for a story. The Walnut is a short story from my book, A Tipsy Man Goes Naked. I knew as I put down the phone that I was in trouble. I could feel the secret codes of tone and intonation setting my love tracks alight. It had always been this way for me, although this moment would be the one to confirm it for me. A man's voice was the key to opening my heart, body, and soul. If he possessed a certain bass baritone throatiness, an inflected foreign accent as he spoke to me in English, my insides would suddenly dissolve into molten heat that would spread quickly throughout my body, and this could be all before I'd even met him. I'd just made an appointment to meet Sandro from Piedmont, Italy. He was a man in his early 60s and a long way from his country of birth. He had lived in Australia for more than 40 years, climbing his way from being a newly arrived immigrant to a successful chairperson of a community organization. Over the years, he'd been interviewed many times, and it was quite a coup to get an interview at such short notice. I looked at the thick file of information on him, as yet unread, because it had only just been placed on my desk by Amanda that very afternoon. 
She'd been snowed under with some crisis needing her immediate attention, and so I was asked to fill the breach. Usually, her favours tended to be more mundane than an interview, so I was looking forward to this assignment. She'd left her sparse, impressionistic notes on the front of the folder. Italian, Piedmont, early 60s, intelligent, cultured, proud of his heritage, in Australia for 40-plus years. I heard the tooting horns of a car as arranged and looked out the window to see a man in a 2003 Alfa Romeo Spider Coupe with the top down in the late summer sunshine and couldn't help the broad grin that split my face. As sexy as, I thought. After all, what else would an Italian drive, unless it was something even more Italian, like a Ferrari, a Maserati or a Lamborghini? I switched on the security code and locked the office door and thought of the young, innocent I was in my twenties when I had indeed been a passenger in a Lamborghini with another amazing Italian man. I shook my head. It wasn't time for reminiscing. Men are often surprised by my knowledge of cars, but I was a grease monkey's daughter and conversations with my father were based on history, cars or sports. And as I had absolutely no interest in sports, cars and history had to suffice. I smiled at Sandro as he greeted me with, Ciao, Bella. I'm pleased to meet you, Lisa. His sensuous voice again wrapped me in honeyed tones as I sank deep into the leather seat and buckled myself in so as not to ooze all over the car floor. The engine beneath his careful hands growled as we moved into the traffic. As we chatted about nothing more than the state of the snarling peak hour traffic across Sydney and the summer weather, I surreptitiously snuck a look at my companion sitting at the steering wheel. He was wearing a cap with a distinctive car logo on his head and sunglasses. He was of medium height and typical Italian colouring and features. He was not a particularly handsome man, although there was a certain attractiveness about him. His clothes were pristine, well-fitted and good quality, yet not so especially luxurious or the latest fashion. His style was classic. I could see how Amanda had come to make her notes about him. Some minutes later, we stopped at an inner-city address that looked in keeping with the rest of the houses in the street. It was not a pretentious house from the outside just well-maintained and slightly hidden from view, with its stucco wall and dark green wooden arched door. The wall abundantly festooned with peach-coloured bougainvillea, and the terrace house with its brick and lace-wrought iron veranda peeping out from above. I followed him up the path and through the front door into the living room. With one sweep, I took in the gracious room with a baby grand piano, leather-studded Chesterfields in deep burnt mahogany, terracotta walls and open brickwork, and a Rococo-style gilded mirror over the fireplace. I then stopped to stare at the portraits either side, one of a man and the other of a woman. Ah, you are admiring my great-grandparents, see? Yes, I am even though they are rather stern by our standards. I mean, we commonly like to see smiles on people's faces. There is something about them, though. They're arresting in their solemnness. I like them. Did you know them as a child? Alas, no. 
They were dead before I was born, but I have lived with them all my life, as they used to live in my parents' dining room in Italy. Come, let's make some coffee. You can talk to me while I'm in the kitchen. He smiled and urged me forward. Briefly, I was aware of a formal dining room in wood and dark red tapestries, and then, surprisingly, a very modern kitchen with French doors that opened onto a patio, high-tech white with citrus touches, and a round wooden breakfast table in the corner with wooden chairs painted lime, turquoise, and royal blue. Sandra made the coffee, mostly with his back to me and speaking over his shoulder. We chatted about all and sundry, including the black and ginger cat that suddenly appeared looking for food, whom he had named Puccini after his favourite opera composer. Then the coffee was ready, and he brought it to the table where we sat. On the tray were small, brightly coloured coffee cups, a coffee pot, sugar and milk, for me, and a large bowl of walnuts and a small knife. As we talked, he poured coffee, drank a sip, and then took up the knife to open the walnut. I'd only ever seen walnuts opened with a nutcracker, so I was interested to see how he would do this. He was very relaxed, holding the walnut in the ball of his palm and placing the tip of the knife to the rim, a quick, clean, simple pressure, and the walnut broke evenly in two. Each half he levered deftly and completely out of its safety shell without breaking the nut and placed it in my saucer a perfect half walnut at a time. I picked up one of the empty shells and took it to my nose to breathe in the aroma. Woody and smelling of dried rain, it made my nose twitch. I lifted the shelled walnut half and breathed in deeply a distinct sweetness that I would call green milk because it smelled like milk steeped with herbs. And then I popped the nut into my mouth, and its fresh texture turned creamy as I chewed, a sign that it was fresh and oh so flavoursome. We dropped into companionable silence, he comfortably shelling walnuts, and me watching those adept, gracious fingers as he plied the knife. It was a timeless moment, and I could have imagined his family sat around the table with his father doing the same for his wife and children. I became mesmerized by the movements, the shape of his fingers, the working of the muscles, sinews and tendons of his hands, and the sparse dusting of black hairs across the knuckles. The intimacy of it suddenly shifted my thoughts, and I felt the blush of awareness, sensual and erotic, filter to the surface, and so I quickly broke my fascination by sipping the coffee, which, after the nuts I'd eaten, decided to go down the wrong way and bring on a coughing fit. Once I'd calmed down, we formalised the meeting, and I interviewed him, as we had arranged. The afternoon passed with intelligent conversation, a sharing of ideas, a glimpse into a man of complex richness, like a good wine. And then I could delay no longer. It was time to leave. He took me back to the train station so I could go home and the unexpected afternoon of Italian music, memories, coffee and walnuts was over. And you know, I can never crack open a walnut without thinking of him. If you enjoyed that story, there are many more in my collection of love tales and recipes called A Tipsy Man Goes Naked. 
You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble and all online bookstores. And that's it, my lovelies. It's time to get back into the throes of your life. You can find more episodes on my website and social channels. Until next time, find time to enjoy a cup or two with a good book. Remember to take care, be blessed, and smile often. Bye for now.